To really understand New York sports, you gotta breathe it, live it, experience it. Whether you're watching the Grom strike out batters at City Field, or watching Randall Barrett and the Knicks at the Garden, heck, even watching KD, Kyrie, or Harden drop 50 in Brooklyn. Whether you're a Yankees fan, Rangers fan, Giants fan, Jets fan, or even an Islanders fan, there's one thing they all got in common. They represent this city, just like this podcast does. Rotten Apple Sports. Tune in. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotten Apple Sports Podcast. This is your boy, Larry, joined by Los and Will. NBA season is about to start on Tuesday. We're a few days away from the regular season beginning. We're going to start with the Nets season preview. Next week, we're going to hit y'all with the Knicks preview. Before we get into all that, we got to talk some more Kyrie Irving. We have to. Boy went on IG Live talking spicy about how he about why he's not getting vaccinated. He finally wants to, quote-unquote, clear the air. Los, I know you got a lot to say about this. These are your nets. You've been stressing about the Kyrie situation for a while. Now we finally got to hear what he has to say instead of everybody else. But we didn't get to hear what he had to say. He was talking nonsense. He was talking in circles for 20 minutes. He was standing there saying one thing, then contradicting himself 10 seconds later. He had a list of stuff written down. He, he, okay, let's start off with the first thing. He starts off by saying that he's not anti-vax, he's anti-mandate. Okay, so if you're not anti-vax, why didn't you get the vaccine when that shit came out eight months ago? What are you doing? You doing research? What research are you doing that these doctors haven't been doing this whole time? Unless you Albert Einstein and I don't know about it, what the hell have you been doing? So that's number one. And I'm going to go slowly because I had to stop watching it because a lot of the stuff he was saying, as always, didn't make no sense. And I know he does a lot for the community. And I know deep down he really believes what he's saying. So I kind of feel bad for him because he's genuine. Like he thinks what he's doing is he's doing it for other people and I understand this is what he thinks he's doing but it gets to the point where you're like okay I want to hear from Kyrie because I'm hearing about sources this sources that then Kyrie talks and you're like you know what I don't want to hear Kyrie talk again just be quiet if, if you're gonna get the shot get the shot if you're not stay the hell home because because you're affecting the team and I don't know if you guys watched it yesterday but this was a man who looked lost, lost in his life. It looked like he didn't know what he was doing. It looked like he was going through the motions. It looked like, I, I don't want to talk about mental health because, you know, that's a very touchy subject, but it looks like this guy, every once in a while, he, he feels helpless or he feels like he's the only one that can go out and do these things. I feel terrible for people who feel like they have to get a shot or get fired. Like they feel that they have to be mandated. And I feel like Kyrie thinks, and he's trying to be the voice of the voiceless, whatever the hell that means, but you can't do that or you can do it, but you're not going to get the platform that you normally have. If you're not playing, 
not I don't understand what not playing does for him because it doesn't help his team. He says there's no disrespect to the Nets, there's no disrespect to his teammates. I look at it the other way. It's a blatant slap in the face to your teammates. It's a blatant slap in the face to the fans who, as of now, if you have season tickets, you're not going to see him play. If you're, you know, if you're going to a couple of games, you're not going to see him play. And then he ends it by saying he's not anti-vaccine and that he's not going to retire. He's not going to give his career away over a vaccine. So if you're going to get the vaccine a month or two from now, why don't you just get it now? And again, I know it's his choice and we can't tell him when or not to get the shot, but it looks like he just wants to stay home and, and not play. And I heard Stephen A. Smith today bring up last year, and you know what? He's right. And I can't stand Stephen A. Smith sometimes, but he's right. Last year, he went home for two, three weeks through a party. Your man was traveling the world while the Nets was playing, and the same thing's happening now. Do you want to play or do you not want to play? Do you want to try to win a championship or do you not want to? This is what I don't understand. Let's take it like if I'm Kyrie. You, Will's uh, Harden, and you, KD, because you talk. I'm going to leave you guys. I'm I believe Will is taller than me. It's been a while since we've been on the court together, but I believe Will is taller than me. All right. I'm going to tell you guys. I mean, I'm better than him, so I'm still Slim Reaper, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys, let's link together. Let's try to win this championship. And then I'm going to be like, oh, man, you know, I feel a certain way. I'm not going to play. You know, how you guys are going to feel? Kevin Durant, that's his best friend, it seems like. And he's saying all the right things. But James Harden looked pissed yesterday. And I don't need Kyrie getting James Harden pissed, too, when his contract extension ain't even signed yet. I brought that up a while ago. Like, what does that mean for, for James Harden's contract extension? But James, yeah, James Harden was, you could hear it in his voice when he was answering the question where he, he's like, well, we still got two pretty good leaders. Like, and I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that he used the word leaders instead and not players. Like, I feel like that was purposely said. We still have two pretty good leaders. And he didn't just say we, we still have two pretty good players. Like, cause it's obvious y'all three were the leaders of the team. Just uh, one thing that I got to bring up because I'm trying to be fair to him also. It seems to him, he wrote it down in his little paper and he said it. Somebody promised him an exception. I don't know who the hell it was, but he says he was told he was getting an exception and he didn't get it. So he thought when he, when he didn't speak media day, he thought by the time the season came around that he was going to get clear to play through an exception that, exemption that never came. So I understand that part. I don't know who told them, but somebody so, told them. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it was Joe Side that told him that. I wouldn't. Because, like, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but you, you, you put the little pieces together. On media day, he said more information to come out at a later date. And then, like, they can – and then he's, like, ready to talk. But for right now, respect his privacy – he doesn't want to answer any questions about not being able to play home games or answer any questions about the vaccine. Then out of nowhere, New York decides that the practice facility is a private um, property and he can practice, but Barclays Center was public. And one of my boys was like, yo, that's Joe Sy, just throwing money at the right politician. 
And I, I genuinely believe, like, that's what happened. Joe sighs, like, yeah, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. And they thought they was going to be able to get him that full exemption. But Remember, they, only gave him clear- yeah, they only gave him clearance to practice. That's it. I told you last week when I spoke to the people that I spoke to, the owner, and people can reference the podcast from last week that I clearly said that they had a meeting and they spoke and they were upset about what was going on and something was going to come ahead soon. And the thing is that this is the problem. Kyrie's a clown. Let's put it clearly out there, plain and simple. He's a clown. He does things for attention. It's a me, 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 me all the time. He's a clown. He's a clown. He wants to be the voice for the voices who doesn't talk. You're never available. So how do you the voice for the voiceless? You are a clown. That's what you are. It's a me, me, me all the time. It goes back to Cleveland with the problem with LeBron. It goes back to Boston when he goes AWOL last year. He decides to play when he wants. He needs a vacation. After all that time off in the bubble, what vacation do you need? You're an employee to the Brooklyn Nets. That's your job. I wish I could go to my job and say, hey, can I take two weeks off because I don't feel like coming? You can't do that. And now he wants to use an excuse that it's his body, that it's fine. That's what you want to use. That's fine. So you go away and stay away. Brooklyn's whole goal this year was to win a championship. And now it takes a bump because he wants to act like an asshole. It doesn't matter anymore. It's not about you. It's about the team. That whole mandate situation where people get an exemption, it doesn't work because half these guys don't even follow a real religion. They don't follow religion, most of them. And if they do, it wouldn't be an issue. Wiggins try to pull the same crap with, with, with the Golden State Warriors and they deny them the exception because they know it's just stuff to use so they can get away with it. Kyrie goes to an event where kids doesn't wear a mask. Yes, my man, you're an anti-vaxxer. I don't care what you say. You're an anti-vaxxer because you don't wear a mask. You don't get vaccinated. This, this is an issue that hurts me because my father died of COVID. So it's personal. You want to go out there and you want to do what you want to do and infect others, stay the hell away. Go away. Because it's not about you. It's not about you. Tell those families of all those people that died with COVID that it doesn't matter, that it's their body, that it's your fucking body. It, it, it doesn't work that way, my man. It doesn't. It's not about you. At this point, the Nets are a better team without him. He's a cancer. And he always has been. He's a selfish little prick. And he needs to learn that it's a team sport. It's not about you. You think Kevin Durant signed on because he brought him over here? And now, how do you think Kevin Durant feels in that locker room? How do you think James Harden feels in that locker room? Like they were left alone. Because I, pro- I, I promised they had a conversation and Kyrie said, yeah, I'm going to get it done. And all of a sudden now, he wants to be the voice of the voiceless. You're a selfish. You're selfish. And I tell ne- Brooklyn Nets fans something right now. You guys are a better team without him now. Because him there would have been pouting. He's a cancer. He messes up team chemistry. I just wanted to be known. They asked Durant about Irvin after the game. And he said, what is being mad going to do? It's not going to change his mind. And that says it all. No one's going to be able to change this guy's mind. So if he plays again, it's completely up to him. 
this guy had a four or five year contract extension that got pulled away from him. So he, it's not about the money with him. He's, if he's willing to lose a 200, $200 million up to, you can't reason with somebody like this. You just can't. So it's on him. What I hate is that probably a month or two from now, maybe after New Year, he'll decide he's missed playing and he'll want to come back. And I deep down, I know they'll bring him back. Don't let him play. I'm not going to like you it. You better let him play. I'm not I don't care what him. Will just said, bro. I don't care what Will just said. There's no way that the Nets are a better team without Kyrie Irving. Can they still win without Kyrie Irving? Hell yeah. Are they a better team without him? No. But you I say how, how I referenced it. I didn't say anything about being on the basketball court. I no, I understand person. what you say. Yeah, you, a, talk, you talk about the his, team, his, team chemistry and all that. His cancerous venom at this point is not helping the team. It's not. You think this circus helps the team with a few days before the season starts? It doesn't help. Oh, Did not you see at all. Steve Nash's quote today? <clears throat> Steve Nash said, he's not here. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Yeah, he said until something changes. He said when something changes, I'll, I'm willing to talk about it. But I've said all I had to say. I don't want to talk about it no more. I just want to focus on the guys that are here. And, and yeah. you can't blame him for that. Nah, I mean, what else do you expect him to say? The whole point of this, well, one of the main reasons of why he's not with the team at all is because it, it was going to cause a distraction more than it already had. Then you factor in the team chemistry and everything else and the risk of him getting hurt after long layoffs and all that. It made sense for him to not be a part of the team at all. You put in everybody at risk, opponents, by you being unvaccinated and still getting on the court. So it makes sense why he's not with the team. But a big part of that is the distraction is going to cause. And it's still going to, and I, I guarantee you, every time the Nets, almost every time the Nets lose, if not every time the Nets lose, Kyrie Irving's going to get brought up by somebody in the media in the post-game conference. Wondering, hey, do you think you guys would have pulled this one out if Kyrie was here? Do you know when Kyrie's going to be back? At least at least one or two reporters almost every time the Nets lose. It's going to get brought up. But as long as they keep dis- dismissing the reporters the way that Steve Nash did today, eventually it's going to die down to where it's only like one or two reporters doing it after losses. But till then, people are going to still keep bringing it up. I just got to ask you guys right now. I already said what I think is going to happen. I think he's coming back to play. Oh, he definitely From now, it might be two months from now. I don't think he's going to sit out the whole year. Um, You guys feel the same way? I definitely think he'll be back soon. He'll be back because this this stance is not about anything. It's about me. It's a me thing. You don't guys understand it. If you really stood with something, you would stick it out. It would have been something concrete. He has nothing to stand on. So this is is eventually when people, when there's no more me, 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 attention to it, he'll be back. Because that's what he likes, the attention. He's not doing nothing, he's not doing it for anything else. It's for the attention. He's a drama queen. So eventually he'll be back. When, when people, when it dies down and nobody's listening to what he got to say anymore, he'll be back on the court. My question for Kyrie would be, if this is about the people losing their jobs to mandates and all that, right? If that's what this is about, what has to happen for you to get vaccinated and come 
fulfill your contractual obligations with the Brooklyn Nets. What what can realistically happen that you're just going to wake up and be like, all right, I'm going to do it now? If that's what this is really about. If that's what this is really about, there's no real solution. There's not One NBA player protesting the vaccine because of mandates is not going to get all those hospital workers that lost their jobs, their jobs back. All the people that are staying home, collecting unemployment because they didn't want to get the vaccine and it became a company policy and mandate. You ain't getting those people their jobs back, bro. You're not. From what I heard, the mandate is going to get even stronger because I heard that in a few weeks they're going to put it so even the players that travel in here can't play if they're not Yeah, mandated. that's what I heard, that they work at, that New York is working on changing that so that... And then it's just going to follow... Other cities are going to follow suit. You already see more and more cities saying, right, y'all got to be vaccinated or y'all ain't playing. Y'all can't enter that building unless y'all vaccinated. So sooner or later, it's going to become a national thing. Is going to become league-wide. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody from the league is actually sending money to these politicians because they've been trying to push the players for the um mandate and the players association is not with it. Everybody in the league is mandated to be vaccinated but the players because the um NBA players association is not with it. They keep pushing back on it. Like you're not going to force these guys to get the, vaccinated. The funny thing is, and the funny thing is, like you said, they were trying to they were trying to mandate and mandate it, but then these guys got vaccinated regardless. So it's very few players in the league that aren't vaccinated. Yeah. Look. Yeah. They said over before, before this became the center of attention for the Nets, 90% of the league players wise was already vaccinated. Bradley Beal, Isaac, from the magic, I know those guys are unvaccinated. But Bill said he's not vaccinated because they said that he's in the um like he was in like a certain grace period from testing positive from COVID. So it wasn't recommended for him to get it yet. I don't know how honest he was being when he said that, but that's what he said. But let's move on from Kyrie. Now that he's gonna, it's official, he's not gonna be with the team. We don't know when he's going to be fully eligible to participate with them. KD and James Harden, they're going to have to take on an even bigger load. They couldn't stay healthy last year. Now we're back to a full 82-game schedule. So there's going to be a little more rest time for them, a little less back-to-back. But what do you think of their chances of being able to stay healthy and not miss significant time the way they did last year? Because... Last year, the Nets had one starter play at least 60 games. Kyrie Irving of the big three played 18 more games than James Harden and Kevin Durant. And we don't know when he's going to be there. James Harden had the hamstring injury last year. We all know hamstrings are tricky. You them, They never really like fully go away. You can aggravate that at any point in time. KD, another year removed from the Achilles injury. But he also had the calf issues last year, and I think the hamstring or ankle injury last year. They're gonna be able to stay healthy and carry this team. It, it's a it's an a uh, situation where they're gonna have to really monitor the minutes this year. There may be times where you see either Kyrie, either um either KD or Harden, one of the two on a back to back takes a night off, and the other one carries the load. Because I don't think you can risk back to backs with these two guys and their history injury. You know, that hamstring really was an issue for Harden last year. 
And you know, hamstrings are, are tricky because you can pull something and you could be out six, eight weeks. And with the way the Nets are, they can't afford that, you know, especially in, in the positioning in the Eastern Conference. We say, you know, the Nets are a top team when healthy. They're a top two team, the number one team to me. But at any injury, you know, you don't want to fall into a four or five matchup where you, it's not guaranteed you get in home, you know, home field advantage. And then there's an issue. You don't want, you don't want to have that issue. And you, you need to really maintain the minutes for these two guys. But so that, that's when all the other guys come. We'll talk about that later. But that's when all the other guys become even more important. Whether I like it or not, they're going to rest them a lot. They're going to have load management. And it's not just going to be them two. It's going to be Blake. It's going to be Aldridge. It's going to be a whole bunch of guys. The Nets last year, if anything was a sign, they showed seeding to them doesn't matter. To me, it matters. To me, it should matter. But to them, it doesn't matter. They could have easily tried to go for the number one seed last year, and they rather sat the guys because that's what their philosophy is. They're thinking long-term. So I know we're going to talk about probably rent total and all that other stuff later and, and where they finish in the conference, but I think they're just going to do whatever they do, what need to do to get to the, to the end of the season and, and try to be healthy. Seeding again to them doesn't matter. Um, you're going to see even in the beginning, I expect them to start off slow. I, I really do. I, there's a lot of uh, new players on the team, and I know they're going to rest Harden and Durant a lot. They might even rest them. I wouldn't do it, but sometimes they might rest them the same game. They, they have throwaway games. If, if, you, if you've been watching them for the last couple of years, they'll throw away games. They'll be like, okay, we're going to set these guys because this other game is more important. You know, and, and um, it's, to me, it's good because you got you to gotta rest them. But it also gives other guys uh, chances to step up and uh, build chemistry with, with guys that they normally wouldn't play with. So I'm expecting Harden. Harden, the one to me is tricky because the hamstring scares me. But then I see Harden doesn't really have a history of injuries, but this injury scares me because he's very important. Because if he gets hurt, and there's obviously there's no the other guy that I won't mention his name, then you're short two point guards or two guys who can run point, who can play off ball. The Nets change drastically if those two guys aren't available. Yeah, and Will brought up how important the other guys are going to be. So let's talk about who those other guys are because that's what makes managing these minutes tricky. This team is old as hell. All all season, we all been talking about how old the Lakers are. The Brooklyn Nets ain't that far off. Patty Mills, James Johnson, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. LaMarcus Aldridge had a heart issue. I'm happy he. I mean, but he, but but in his defense, LaMarcus Aldridge knew about this heart issue since his rookie no. year. No, no, no. And he has I, played through it. And, and I. I appreciate that he wanted to come back. I have, you know, I wish him well. It's not, what I'm saying is, it's not just age. It's also a condition that could yeah, flare up is, at any moment, you know? Yeah, this is legit the life alert team of the NBA right now. Like, literally a life alert team. With guys like Paul Millsap, who's had lower leg injuries most of his career. You know, Blake Griffin, ACLs. 
These guys are not spring chickens. And that's your depth. You know, that's the depth they have. And these are injured guys already. Guys with history, with injury history, backing up guys with injury history. Yeah. So it, and the problem. It's a serious and then problem. You don't got Bruce Brown no more. He was a key role player. James Green was a key role player. Bruce Brown yeah. is still there. Yeah, Bruce Brown uh came back. Jeff Green left though. Oh yeah, Jeff, yeah. Bruce Brown Jeff, came Jeff. back. It was it was Bryce Brown that they got that they waived recently. I'm sorry. Uncle Uncle Jeff, you know, age and all, but Uncle Jeff balled out last year. He bailed the Nets out in a lot of games. Yeah, you know, I ain't he, gonna. It was a key cog to them making the playoffs. I ain't gonna hold you. I know you new to our league, but Los could tell you. Jeff Green was like at the the back end of my roster coming through, giving me 20 points in fantasy at night. He he's a key role player because he's an efficient scorer when he does actually look to score. But his versatility on defense, his the way he communicates on defense, he's a he's a he's a watered down PJ Tucker, but taller. Yeah. And now him being gone, you know, not those those minutes go to James Johnson and Millsap and all those guys. You got to hope Millsap gives you the same production he gave a few years ago in Denver. Because then, you know, you could you can mitigate that. But at this age, it's not a guarantee. You know, it's not a guarantee. And I'll say this before before Lowe's goes off, because, uh, you know, he knows this team better than any any of us. But I know it's a little different when you got guys like James Harden and Kevin Durant on the court. If you're a title contending team, you do not want to see Forget about title contending team. If you're a team with any hopes of playoff fortunes, you don't want to see James Johnson on the court in 2021. He's terrible. He barely got minutes with the Mavericks last year. He stinks. He was playing because half the team was out with COVID. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, right. supposedly they brought him here to be an enforcer. So, I mean, do it with that. Do with that what you do with that what you may. That's a wasted roster spot, man. You can't you can't even be an enforcer now. You know, you can't be Charles Oakley nowadays. You get thrown out the league. Nah, he's nah, but but you know what? You get 16 technicals be, before the suspension. All his technicals are gonna be flagrant fouls. Then look, if that's the kind of guy that you're carrying on this roster that's already injured ridden, right? That's you know, potentially injured ridden, mm-hmm. and but no Kyrie, right? So basically, he's a wasted roster spot because if that's all he's really giving you, you wasted a spot in your roster. I know they didn't think about that when they were reconstructing the roster because obviously they thought Kyrie was going to be there and they're not really, you're not really worried about him because he'll probably be handing out the towels at the end of the bench. He wasn't really going to play. So at the end of the day, you're really going to have to lean on a lot of guys. Look, Nick Claxton is going to have to step up big this year. He's going to have to grow up and grow up fast. If, if, it, if it's me... And they really, like I said, they don't care about playoff seedings, in my opinion. They've shown they don't care about it. I play Nick Claxton as much as I can. I'd start Nick Claxton if it was me. Let him grow up. He's going to need to grow up, you know? He's very important. When he's on the floor, he just adds so much defensively, and they play. You can see it when he plays. His, his, His ability to block some shots, and he runs out for outlet passes. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, the only thing he can't really do right now is score, but I don't need him to score. I, I was watching today's preseason game, right? 
He was running the pick and roll with Harden. He looked like a pella out there, okay, just catching lobs and stuff. That's all I need him to do. Just play defense. And, you know, he's a little thin, but he's growing into his body. Give him as much experience as you can. Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin cannot play for two weeks as, as he's proven when last year he didn't play with Detroit a lot. He was out for most of the season, came to the Nets, took off another two weeks to get into uh, basketball shape. And then he just started playing 30 minutes a night. He doesn't need the experience. If it was me, like I said, I'd play Claxton. Um, they're not going to give Sharp any burn, you know, because he's probably going to be in uh, Long Island. But um, their rotation of bigs, because because that was a, their big problem last year. Their interior, you know, their defense. They was getting smacked by by Embiid, and they was getting smacked by Giannis. And I don't, I don't know – to be to be honest, we know there's nobody in the league that is gonna stop those guys. But, but not for nothing, able, you gotta be able to try. Not for nothing, like you talk about Blake not needing that experience and all that, and I get that. But do you remember how well uh, Blake had played defense on Giannis at times during that series, had, forcing him into bad jump shots? It just so happened that Giannis was on fire and he was making those shots, but he was forcing him into bad shots. And not only that, he still. Like he's he's not an an elite defender, but he's a good defender, and you can put him out onto the perimeter and not have to worry about him too much. He also he's smarter than I thought, and you know you don't get to, <laughs> I'm just saying you don't get to see guys every day. You know, you think of him as just a dunker and whatever. He, he's he's pretty smart when he's playing defense and when he's on the court. You know, but when I was talking about with Claxton, I was talking more regular season. You know, we know if Blake is healthy, he's going to play a lot in the postseason. But in the regular season, I want Claxton to get his legs under him. I want him to have to prove himself. It's an 82-game season, bro. Oh, yeah, he no, doesn't no. need to. He doesn't need to be the starter right away. He doesn't need to be playing big minutes right away. And you, you gotta also Build remember, him up to that. There, There's only really a few teams in this league. You name them. That you got to really... You got to really worry about with bigs in the, in the inside, versatile fives. At the end of the day, it's a small ball league. You could put a Millsap to play a five once in a while. You know, you can, you can, we can rotate these pieces around. A Lamarckridge to come in here and spell Griffin once in a while, play the five. You know, like it's, it's not necessary that you got to force feed Nick. You got to let Nick grow, let him build himself up. You don't want him, I understand his pressure to win, but you don't want him losing confidence because that's easily how young guys lose confidence. Then the coach is going to sit them at the bench. You're not playing for three or four games. You start messing them up. If you small doses with good success where he can, you know, you can pull them and say, good job in here and there. That's how you do it. Especially on a team like this that wants to win the championship. You don't want to ruin his confidence because you're going to need him at the end of the year. When these guys are, are dead tired, a young bull like that, you're going to need him to, you know, to play 30, 32 minutes a night. And the bottom line is, I said it earlier, he's going to play when, when Millsap sits, when Blake sits, when Aldridge sits, because they are going to sit. So he, I'm guessing he'll start those games. And he's, if he doesn't start, he's going to play a lot those games. So that shouldn't be a problem. How many double-digit scorers do you think the Nets have this year? You know you got definitely got two in James Harden and Kevin Durant. You got three if Kyrie comes back. Joe Harris most likely is going to average at least 12 to 15 points. Is there anybody else capable? Is Patty Mills dropping? Is Patty Mills dropping buckets off the bench? It's going to have to be Patty. 
There's going to be nights where Paya's going to get hot. He shoots that three ball. He'll get into double figures. It's not a problem because I've seen it for so many years in San Antonio, him carrying a team down the stretch by himself because he had a bunch of a bunch of scrubs on that team, you know, last few years. And he really was taking care of business down there. You know, that's one of Pop's favorite guys. He didn't really want to let um, Patty go because Patty really gets busy. I've seen him. I've seen him with my own eyes. So um, it'll be it'll be Patty, obviously James and Kevin. You know, does Paul Millsap get hot one night and give you you know give you double figures? Can he? Because you know there's you know these guys. There's nights when they can get hot because looking at the roster, I don't really see where's it coming. Bruce Brown, is it is he Javion Carter? Maybe Lamarcus Aldridge. Maybe yeah, Blake, but I don't even think Blake is gonna really look to score too much. Like, not even. Maybe, maybe. Blake. He averaged ten for them last year while playing with the Nets in twenty six games with the Nets. He averaged ten points. So who knows? It, the the point you brought up is the reason why earlier I think me and you agreed when we said that the Nets are not better without Kyrie on the court because because of that. Because what the Nets like to do, especially last year, was they stifled they stifled the minutes so that almost at every point of the game, at least one or two of the big three were on the court at the same time. It's a lot harder to do that without Irving. It's a lot harder to find points uh, on the roster. You know, we just went through the roster, and besides Joe Harris, that's a that's a very good question. Who's gonna be that guy that's gonna give you? constant points every game that you can rely on and I think it's just going to be the closest one will be Mills and then I think it's just going to be guys taking turns you know Yo, and, and it's not just that though Kyrie is one of the greatest scorers in the NBA he is one of the best offensive players in the NBA he's one of the best guards in the NBA last year he averaged the second most amount of points in his career on the second most of shot attempts per game in his career. And for the first time... 40, right? Yeah, and for the first time, he was 50-40-90 club. 50-40-90 club while taking 20 shots a game. And the problem is that he he attracts... This, this is what he does. He'll attract the double team, right? He'll attract the double team. Somebody's open. He drops to the cup. Somebody's open. So somebody's open in the offense. He gets people red hot. And real quickly, if you notice, if you, if you were watching Harden, um, he played a lot differently than he played with, with Houston. And it looked like he he had plenty of chances to shoot, and it looked like he didn't want to shoot most of the time. But James so Harden said it mad times throughout the season. Sorry to cut you off, but he said yeah. it mad times throughout the season. He He's playing the role he wants to play late. He wants to be a playmaker. He likes to score. He is a scorer but he's also a playmaker and he's just happy that he doesn't have to do everything himself anymore. Like he has other people. He has real help and consistent help at that too, because he's done played with some magnificent players in Houston, but they've always been inconsistent or it just didn't work right. Like they didn't fit together properly. Like Chris Paul was inconsistent as hell in Houston. Who who was the best player he played with in Houston if it wasn't Chris Paul? Russell Westbrook. Russell. But the fit just wasn't there. Like, they had to get rid of Capella. You had to get rid of a whole big man just to make enough space on the court for Russell Westbrook to operate and be effective. 
I would say it's Russell Westbrook, if not Chris Paul. It's, there's no doubt about it. Needs to up production this year, and that's Joe Harris. Joe Harris, he looked like Casper, the friendly ghost out there in the playoffs. He couldn't hit nothing. He was horrible last year. But they're going to really need him this year because the cash and shoot is going to be part, is a big part of that offense. Because once KD drives and kicks it, he's going to have to, that, those have to go in. They're going to have to go in because back because part of the bench production and the issue with the bench production, they're going to need the starters to really carry the load. So part of that is going to have to be Joe Harris really taking care of business. They cannot allow this thing to snowball from last year, but the confidence is not there. They got to get him involved and they got to hope that he bounces back and has a good year because, you know, for me, Last year, he was actually one of the targets that I wanted the Knicks to go get because he's a shooter. I thought the guy was really locked down. He can knock it. And I thought he was, he's, a, he's a solid guy. And he's been like that for a few years. But last year, his confidence was shot towards the end of the year heading into the playoffs. There's a few shots that if he hits, we're talking about the Nets, you know, beating Milwaukee <laughs> easily. Yeah, this is true. Like, he disappeared in the playoffs. It was crazy. He 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 was good during the regular season for the most part. He started like like Will said towards the end of the season. He started to fade, but once the playoffs started, he couldn't buy a basket. One game he'd be five for five from three, and the next three games he's looking like Danny Green out there. Oof. I am physically sweating right now listening to you guys talk about Joe Harris. <laughs> <laughs> two playoffs in a row that he couldn't hit a shot. Let's not forget when they played Philly in that Philly series, JJ Redick was hitting everything and Joe Harris couldn't hit a shot to save his life. So this is not a one playoff type thing. And here's a, here's the thing with Joe Harris during the season. He's he's excellent for his role. He plays his role perfectly. I wish he was a better defender, but he's not, but for the role player slash high end role player that he is, he fits, he, he fits the Nets perfectly. It's just the playoffs, like you guys said. He's been horrible. And Net fans have definitely noticed. And this, this is his chance. When, when the playoffs start again, you just have to, you can't, you can't leave Joe Harris open during games because he's gonna beat you. And in that Milwaukee series, he missed two or three threes where he was wide open. And he missed a shot from the top of the key where he was wide open that they've screenshotted. And I've seen in Twitter for like four months in a row. And it makes me sick because he's much better than this. And Joe Harris, he's one of my favorite players from the last couple of years with the Nets, you know, with the D'Lo, Levert team. He's one of my favorites. And I have defended him all the time, but I cannot defend his performance in the playoffs, his shooting in the playoffs. Steve Kerr, John Paxson, these guys got wide open shots. They hit wide open shots. This is your job. You He gets paid a lot of money. He's a good player, but he's got to hit these shots. Because if they're going to double Durant or they're going to double Harden and Harden finds him open, you got to make teams pay. Period. That's it. Now, we won't know about What was that? 32.7% from three during the Milwaukee series. That's not Joe Harris. Not at all. In the first round against the Boston Celtics, he shot 51.5% from three. 
17 for 33 from three. In the Milwaukee series, he shot 16 for 49 from three. And it's not even that he missed threes. He missed some of the most important threes of every game that they lost. That game seven, I believe, I don't even want to think about it, but I think the Nets were up two or three late in the overtime. Joe Harris had a three. He hits that three. The game's over. And he missed it. He was wide open. Wide open, you know? And those are the shots you remember, unfortunately, because those are the those are the shots that put games away. And those are the shots that fans are always going to remember. His first preseason game, he drove me crazy because he had about seven threes. And I'm like, oh, about three months too late. Yo, and to your point about the Philly, the Philly series in 2019, I just looked it up. He went four for 21 from three, 16 for 43 from the field. He shot 37% from the field and 19% from three. Again. The only thing Damn. is that the regular season, you game plan to not leave him open. Then in the playoffs, they game plan to leave him open because he know they know he's he, he does he has problems. He gets nervous. I don't know what it is, but he is shaky. And you can tell the Budenholzer towards the end was 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 double and triple teaming Durant and leaving Joe Harris open. Yeah, there was him no, to make a shot. There was no Harden. There, I mean, Harden was there, but he really wasn't Harden. You know, he wasn't driving at all, and there was no Kyrie. So Harris Harden was playing because up. Kyrie was out and he's like yo i gotta do whatever the fuck i can to try to help this team stay afloat that man he was barely moving on the court those last two games and how does Kyrie uh repay him by not showing up to maybe new year's when the ball's dropping and Kyrie's in uh 42nd street you know with his fans or whatever that's how that's how he replay repays him but i digress Los, we mentioned all the additions that the Nets made this offseason. Oh, well, we didn't even mention that they drafted De'Ron Sharp and Cam Thomas. But they lost Jeff Green, like we mentioned before. He was a con- key contributor off the bench for them, even made a- some spot starts when they were dealing with injuries. What's the bench looking like this year? Is it going to be strong? Are they going are- are to be able to produce at a high level and help take off some of the scoring load from James Harden and Kevin Durant? I think that the bench is going to be better defensively. I think there's going to be nights where Patty Mills gets hot. Um, Javon Carter has shot it, has shot the ball better than, than I expected. You know, I didn't get to really see him that much in Phoenix, but in the preseason so far, he's been shooting the ball well. But to me, the bench is going to be more of a defensive unit than an offensive unit. I'm really worried. I don't, a lot of these guys are saying, you know, the Nets are going to be okay. They don't need Kyrie for certain things. I think scoring could be an issue at times. And it's not a guarantee that the guy, these guys come off the bench and, you know, that they're going to light it up. I think they're going to be more of a defensive unit. And I do have my worries. One person that I, I do want to see, and I don't know how much he's going to play, given the, the depth of the team, is Cam Thomas. I know before the draft you were talking very, very highly of him, and when I when I told you that the Jet that the Nets drafted him right away, you told me you know they got a good one, and the way he plays is funny because he's he's got so much confidence that a young guy that age shouldn't have. You shouldn't be able to come into a game with four minutes left and take up eleven shots, but he you know he knows how to score the ball and. 
I'm very curious to see on certain nights if they just let him, like, unleash him and see what he could do because he, he'd be part of the bench unit that would give me a lot more confidence with him on it. Yo, if they let him, if they help him develop and, like, build his confidence, he could win six man of the year his second year in the NBA. That's how talented that boy is. And real quick, I just want to point out the bullshit and fuckery that I had to deal with with the drafts with you this year. I wanted Elijah Moore. They drafted Kadarius Tony. Then the Jets end up drafting Elijah Moore. I wanted Cam Thomas. The Knicks, the Knicks traded back so many times. I'm like, oh, they definitely about to take Cam Thomas. And then he took Quentin Grimes. Well, quickly. And then the Nets. And then the Nets. Took- yeah. But uh, <laughs> if if the Knicks play, the, the Knicks picks are going to play like Tony played last Sunday, then, you know, then you won't have to worry much. There's one there's one Knicks rookie that I think is has the potential to have a Tony impact in, in a similar role. But we'll save that for next episode for the Knicks season preview. Big body. I'm not sure where the like minutes will be could be there because of the injuries and you're not playing these guys all the time. But it's it's here we go. You're gonna you can are they would would Nash like put Cam out there and say here. Go do your thing, cause he could he could shoot the rock. But do I trust Steve Nash to stick him out there? You know he's a he's a more of a veteran guy. You know he he likes to play his veterans. He likes to stick the veterans out there, regardless of the fact. But if I'm him, I'm not even worrying about that this year. I'm going. I'm listen. We short, and if this kid could bring some of that youthful energy on the court, could exude that confidence, and you know they could start running a little bit. Why not? Because at this point, who who would you start him? Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think Steve Nash is going to, you know, that's that's what I worry about, Steve Nash. Steve Nash, I think, will go to Bruce Brown, to Bembry, again, to Carter. And to me, those are more defensive-type guys. So, respectfully, if you're looking for, yeah, respectfully, respectfully, if you're looking, if you're looking for offense. DeAndre Bembry. Come on. I'm just telling you the guys that are on the roster that are in front of him who Steve Nash might want to play. Even I'm this that's 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 I think to me would be such a failure on his part to take minutes from a kid with that much energy and firepower that can help you to give it to DeAndre Bembry. I was gonna bring up DeAndre Bembry earlier, but I forgot about it because I didn't want to cut you off. But when you started talking about Wasting a roster spot on James Johnson. All I was like, but they got Bembry on their team. If they wasting a roster spot, it's DeAndre Bembry. He's a 26% three-point shooter. And I know not everything's about three-point shooting, but on this net team with the offense and the, the shots they like to take, that's important to me. So if he's not hitting that shot. If the Nets didn't pick him up, he might be in Turkey right now. Let's be respectfully talking about it. He is no good. And not on this team. This team, and on a team like this, where you ready to you ready to rock, it's time to win a chip, and you ready to go. You need like legit, legit monsters on the mm-hmm. roster that you know you come off the bench and you can you can spell five six minutes, and some dude will come out there and give you nine points, seven rebounds. You're like, yeah, look, we didn't lose that much production in the few minutes that he was out. But if you have a floor of Carter and Benbury and Johnson, what 
what really are these they score? They they're not they don't really score. It's like you said, it's like more of a defensive unit. And then that means you would have to keep one of James or KD on the court at all times with these bums. Because if if they can't shoot the rock, if they can't shoot the rock, it's gonna be a problem. You don't want yeah. a team, you know, you you building a 10-point lead and these guys take a rest and now you're down two. That's not what you want. You really can't, especially when you you down and you know, you, you don't want to, you want to manage minutes. You don't want to kill minutes on these guys. You're going to need, but to me, it's, it won't be that much of a factor because I'm pretty sure the Nets are going to go at the trading deadline and go pick a shooter. One of these teams that's out of it. I'm pretty sure that that's what they're going to do because they, they're not going to go in the second run of the season with, with these guys on the bench. So eventually one, they'll, they'll go pick somebody up on a non-contending team. They can help them. Again, if you ask the fans, they want Cam. They, they, they're so, they're so excited about Cam. They're like, okay, we don't need Kyrie. We got the big three. We got Cam, Unleash Cam. I know most of them are just joking, but, you know, let the kid play. You're like Cam Thomas. That's it. Just put him on the court. Let him shoot the rock. You got nothing to we, lose. What we're not going to do is give him Cam Reddish nickname. He got to earn that. He went to LSU. He got to earn that. Now, Cam if he would have, that, I mean, at least that's what I gave him. I don't know if everybody oh, else okay. call him right. that. I don't know oh. if everybody else call him that, but he's Killer Cam all the time for me. Like, Maple Mamba, Killer Cam, and then I can't say on the air what my nickname for Zion is because it's pretty disrespectful. <laughs> is it Booker McFarlane? You know what? I should just run with that instead. That's. That's more PC than what my real nickname is. It's it's what I've been calling him in the chat all day when we've been talking about his injury. Yeah, let's go with the let's go with the Booker McFarlane. <laughs> now, now I need to know what you've been calling him. I'll text it to you. <laughs> it, it's not something that I ever like. You know, it's just a joke though. Like it's just a joke, but. I would never sit here and publicly disrespect these athletes. That, that like I'm not gonna sit here and call them out of their name all crazy and be super disrespectful because I don't really mean it. Like it's all just fun and games, and it's not something that I want to perpetuate. Like I had a problem with the way Stephen A. Smith was talking about Bradley Bill and Bradley Bill's wife, but that's neither here nor there. I don't want to stay get too far off topic. We gotta talk about these these nets. The baby right, so brothers to the Knicks. What do you guys think? What do you guys think <clears throat> if the Nets get up to a slow start, let's say, they don't win a championship this year, right? That's the goal. What are we doing with Steve Nash? I don't think, think Steve Nash is going anywhere. Just my I think opinion. he's still there. I think, he's, I, I think he's still there. I think they like him. I think at the end of the day, they brought him in knowing that he was going to need to grow into the job. So I don't think he has any – what's the term? I don't think he's on any type of hot seat. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Steve Nash's job is in jeopardy. The only thing that gets Steve Nash out of there is players being unhappy with him or him not wanting to be there anymore. Like, the only way the Nets fire him or relieve him of his duties before his contract is expired is KD and James Harden don't want him there. James Harden says the only way I'll sign an extension is if you replace him as the coach. Like, it's gonna take some some weird revolt 
for Steve Nash to not be there anymore. Either that or he just has to be really bad at his job all season and lose the locker room. And I don't see that happening either because he has such a good coaching staff and he's one of those guys that is open to listening to the players' ideas and listening to his other coaches' ideas, leaning on other people because he know he doesn't have all the answers. He's still new on the job. He's not some stubborn veteran head coach. You know, I, I, I like Steve. You know, his, his demeanor, especially for a team like this, is calm. Especially he's been handling all this this whole situation, I think, really good. You know, coming out and facing the music and doing everything. And, and you know, watching net games, because I do watch net games. I'm a Knicks fan, but I watch net games. And I, I thought last year he, he did a pretty decent job, considering the kind of roster he had and the injuries and stuff like that. The fact that he took him as far as he did with no issue with the players at all and looked like the players really respected him, I think, I think he did a really good job. So it's like you guys, I don't think they would – pull that plug on him because I think um, Marks really respects him and uh, the, so does the owner. I think they, they have a, a good connection there. So regardless of the situation, you're going to go through ups and downs through, you know, every championship does. Every championship team does. They go through situations like this. So I think Steve, regardless of what happens this year, will, will continue to be the next coach. If I had one problem with him is I think like if the Nets have a lead, he'll wait too long to call a timeout. Like, he'll let the lead evaporate or, or get down to one or two. They'll be up 15, and the, the other team will go on a 13-0 run before he calls a timeout. But but part of that, I guess, is uh, him wanting his team and his players to play through it and, you know, get that experience together. And another thing, just quickly, has nothing to do with the Nets, but uh, I was going to say, Larry, uh, there's no way they can uh, fire the godfather of the Maple Mamba, man. Come on. That's family. Why not? He could, he, could be, family. He, he could become an assistant over here. <laughs> I'm just saying, he could just become Thibodeau's offensive assistant. The issue for me is if it does result in anything less than a championship, this is going to develop a reputation for him because he's just starting out and he was blessed with a lot of talent. Like, say what you want about the roster, the chemistry, all that good stuff. But there's a reason why those boys been title favorites since the day they signed those contracts, right? That's one. Two, the Nets are going to get so much flack for the fact that they went out there and got a rookie head coach who's not only just a rookie head coach, he's never been a head coach at any level, any level. He has zero experience as an assistant coach, anything like the most he did was have some type of consulting develop player development type job with the Golden State Warriors. So if they don't win a championship, Sean Mark's job is probably going to be more in doubt than Steve Nash, in my opinion. I want to bring something up and maybe you guys are going to get on me for this, but how do I phrase this? Okay. Do you think if a if a coach wins the championship, he's automatically a good coach? Because I personally don't think I don't think Bud's a great coach. And he won one with Milwaukee this year. And he was about one inch away from getting fired if Kevin Durant's foot was behind the line 
And he went from that, you know, that's life though. He went from that to getting an extension. I don't think he's a better coach than but he look was. At, no, but ago. look, see, he got rewarded for, let's start here. He got rewarded for winning the championship. He didn't get a long extension. What, he got like two years? I think he, he got didn't three. Sign, yeah, he didn't sign. A, most coaches, when they sign an extension, like, and the franchise really believes in that coach, especially a veteran like Bud, you're getting like a five-year offer. Or when, when most coaches like that signing three-year extension coming off a championship, they probably still had like two years on their contract. That's one. Then look at the adjustments that Bud was making throughout the playoffs. Like, we was all clowning Bud. I know I was. I was, put, I was creating memes, making fun of Bud and the Bucks throughout the playoffs until they ultimately got the last lap and won the championship. But if you really pay attention – the Bucks were constantly making the necessary adjustments that it took for them to win the championship, especially in the dominant fashion that they did against the Suns in the finals. He made adjustments that you didn't see him make last year in the playoffs and years prior. Look, the smallest adjustment, Giannis was actually playing 30-something minutes in the game. He wasn't doing that before. He made the defensive adjustments. He made the adjustments on offense with the play calling and how they were attacking different teams in different situations and different looks. He showed the most important thing with the coach, which is being able to adjust on the fly. And he did it well enough to win a championship. I'm not saying he's a top five coach in the NBA, but... I think that as much as he gets clowned on the internet, he's still a really good coach. Most teams would be lucky to have a coach like him. And he deserved the contract extension. Where I'm coming from is... Oh, but to answer the question, yeah, that was a part of my answer to your original question. When I started talking about all the adjustments he made. No, just because you win a championship doesn't mean that you're a great coach. Showing that you can make the adjustments on the fly, know when to call timeout, show that you can manage your players' egos and their health and their talent, and you are able to make good decisions in crucial situations in the game and be able to adjust from game to game in the playoffs. Some people just get lucky. Look at Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr got lucky. And then on top of that, he had a great um, coaching staff working with him. But some people just get lucky. Look at Steve Nash. Steve Nash got lucky. But I but just said is, that. So but, it's all about showing that you are actually coaching the team and you're doing what's necessary for the team to win. All those things I just highlighted. And most importantly... You have to do it when it matters most, like Bud finally did. Bud finally got over the hump. That's what. That's why the narrative took a, a little shift, and he got that little extension from the um, Bucks. But when it comes to Nash, this is what when Will asked if he's going to be on the hot seat, he might not actually be on the hot seat, but in the the internet world and the the first take world and the the hot take world, 
he's going to be in the hot seat in, in their opinion because they're going to look at the talent and say, oh, if you can't win a, a championship with these players, then you're probably not a good coach. And that's why I brought up like somebody like uh, it, it doesn't even have to be Bud. It could be Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel won a title with LeBron. I don't think he's like this great coach. Frank Vogel's a good he, coach. But he won the title. I look at guys like Tyron Lou. I think Tyron Lou's a great coach. I think Thibodeau is a great coach. They haven't won anything big, but to me, they're great coaches. So I just hope Steve Nash, if they don't win, which if they don't win, he's gonna he's gonna get some of the flack. And it's not gonna be part fair. Of, but but I understand, I understand it's part of the media market that we're yeah, in. No, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It doesn't matter who comes here. You could be the coach yeah. of the Rangers or the Red Bull. It don't matter who you are. If you don't win here, regardless of the fact, it's gonna be heat. This is part of the market. Everybody's watching, everybody is critiquing, social media, everything. So it doesn't really matter whether you're a good coach or not. You come here, you're expected to win. The you could have the worst roster in the world. The fans are gonna want you to win. The minute you put on that hat and that jersey and you're on that press conference, it's time to get to work. So and, at this point, it's gonna be it's gonna be criticism that he's gonna have to, you know, get adjusted to or, or get accustomed to because it's coming. It, this is a team, you know, the it's like it's like Larry said, the minute that those guys signed that contract when they became free agents, it was goal time. From that time, it was goal. This is the championship favorite. And if you noticed, one year and now two years and now three years, and we're going now in that little pattern where it's not showing up and the results are not showing up. Not saying that it's Steve, because Steve got here last year. So, not you know, I'm not saying it's all Steve's fault. But that window in the NBA, you know, you have a four or five-year window where it starts to close and, you know, all that talking needs to produce. Yeah, I think it, it, I think he he coaches for his, the, his entire contract, whether they win the championship or not. He coaches for his entire contract. When you take into consideration the relationships he has with Sean Marks, with KD, with Kyrie, with um, Joe Sy, you take that into consideration with the fact that they handpicked him off the street. Supposedly, he never thought about coaching before Sean Marks picked up the phone and called him. You take all that into consideration. I think y'all both will agree with me. Steve Nash is not getting fired from that Nets team as long as that locker room believes in him. No matter what the results are, as long as the... Because, look, last year, injuries and... KD's big-ass foot stopped them from going to the championship, right? Because they were smoking the Bucks. They was up 2-0 on the Bucks and had a double-digit lead when Kyrie got hurt. And they still for, they still ended up going to Game 7, and if it wasn't for KD being a size 27 shoot, they would have won the game. And it, Joe Harris they would have won the finals. From and they even get that yeah. So, you look at that. It's not his fault they didn't win, right? It's not like he. It was the lack of coaching that um stopped them from winning the championship last year. It was just really bad luck, at the most unfortunate time. Kind of like my fantasy basketball career. But Steve Nash is not going nowhere as long as that locker room believes in him. Whether they win a ring or not, as long as that team is playing hard for him. 
and they believe in him and his philosophies, he ain't going nowhere. You guys got any win predictions for the Nets this year? Well, they went, what, 48 and 24 last year, right? Yep, 48 and 24, second place in the Eastern Conference. That was with all the injuries. They got a bunch of new team, well, a bunch of new players. Steve Nash is in his second year as the head coach. Email Udoka's not there. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. 82 games. Don't know how long Kyrie's going to be out. I'm expecting chemistry issues, but I also expect KD to play at an MVP level, and James Harden is probably going to average 30 and 10 with James, with Kyrie out 50, maybe 52 wins. Even with the taking in consideration of the rest, I still think they're at least a 52-win team. I, I was looking over the same thing. I, I had him pegged at 57 before Kyrie. So after this whole situation, I, I had him around 54, 53, 54. I think they have a really, like, soft schedule to start. And even without Kyrie, you know, KD and Harden, they'll be able to smoke some of these teams. Charlotte, Washington, Detroit, you know, the Raptors, the Bulls. That's who they have a lot. New Orleans, Oklahoma City. That month of November, they have a lot of soft spots. So if they can really chug up a lot of wins before they really start to get into those, you know, those those really those contenders, I don't see why not. I understand Kyrie is a humongous part. And with him, they're the hands-down favorite. And him not being there affects the win total and affects a lot. Because that's an extra cog that you count on when things get tough. Or he's on the on the court, his presence alone. Kyrie don't have even have to shoot the basketball. The fact that he's on the court, it changes the end of games. And that's a it, fact. The over-under is 56 and a half. I'm gonna take the under to be honest. Yeah, me too. I have him at 53, 54, a few wins here and there, injuries here and there, you know, mix and match. I don't put them too low because they do have a soft schedule to start. And I think with KD and, and James, they'll they'll demolish those teams. It wouldn't even it won't be an issue, and they'll get their rest in the fourth quarter because they probably won't even be playing up twenty or thirty. So I put them at 53, 54, I think right around there. I had them at fifty nine with Kyrie, and I have them at fifty four without him. I I if I want to be honest, fifty four I might even go a little lower because, like I said, I think they're just gonna not take the season too seriously. I think they're going to have their uh, – they're going to do like baseball when they have their uh, – the bullpen guy start the game, you know. They're not going to – they're going to have an opener type. They're going to – there's going to be a game where I'm not going to watch because I'm going to see 35 minutes of Bembry and Carter, and it's going to drive me nuts. And that way, that with that thinking, I'm at 54. So that's the under. Yeah, I'm at the under now. It's funny that you said that because 538, they do the the predictions online. That's Nate Silva? Yeah, they got they got the Nets. They got the Nets at 50 and 32. That's their win loss. They got them fourth in the finishing fourth in the East. That wouldn't shock me. I have the Nets at second in the East. But at, at 54 wins, so I'm not too far off. These are, these are, this, honestly, this is 
this is a we're we're looking at the Nets and season prediction, everything. But this we'll come back to this when we do the the things for the team because they have so. And Larry, you're gonna like you're gonna we're gonna have a lot of discussion when we look when I show you this because they have a lot of a lot of um, win loss totals that I, I'm I, we're not gonna agree on. Oh yeah, send me the link to that. Um, DraftKings really has them at fifty six and a half. I respect it though. I'm pretty sure that's with the assumption that Kyrie's gonna be there. But you gotta remember the betting number two is also, you know, they're trying to make money too. So maybe they're like us and they, they think it's 54, 52, 50. Well, the odds are the odds are more in favor of the over. Is that you actually make more money taking the over than taking the under on this? So before we end this. I just have one question. Are the Brooklyn Nets winning the Eastern Conference and representing in the finals and finally bringing New York a championship? If Kyrie Irving is back, if he's playing all of the playoffs, I'm going to take my chances with the Nets. I still think they should have won last year. They could have won last year. They didn't. So, you know, it is what it is. But I think this is the year of redemption. If Kyrie's with the team, I think the Nets are going to come out of the East. Now, are they going to win the championship? Let's see who they're playing in the West first, but I think they're coming out of the East. I, I do, too. I think it all depends, like you said, on Kyrie. And when do you get him back? If he's not there, do they hit a road bump? Do they have to go through a Milwaukee? Do they have to go through a Miami? Do they have to go through a... Philadelphia and what kind of a gritty series they're gonna go through, but all in all, as we talked, we talked, you know, even before we were, we were doing this, I thought we thought the Nets were hands down the favorite in in the whole NBA, not even the Eastern Conference. We thought, we thought basically they were gonna wash everybody, but Kyrie threw a monkey wrench into the situation, and now it's one injury away from. You could potentially be out in the first round. I think they represent the Eastern Conference, but a lot has to go right, and it starts with Kyrie coming back. Because with him back, they can get away with a lot of things. I think with or without Kyrie, they have a very they have the best chance of coming out the East. Is with health on their side, you, even without Kyrie, James Harden and KD are that good, and they actually have solid role players built around them. This is a team that on paper, with Kyrie, favorite in the NBA for me. Without Kyrie, favorite for the East, but I have the Lakers over them. A fully healthy Lakers team without Kyrie, probably going to kick the Nets ass. KD and James Harden going to do their thing, but Frank Vogel's, Frank Vogel's going to let them. He's going to pick one of them. Each game, he's going to be like, you know what? You do your thing. We're going to take out... KD, do you do your thing? We're going to take out James Harden and everybody else. And that's probably what it's going to be like for the whole series because KD has proven no matter what, you can't stop him. They were sending three... Milwaukee was sending three people at him. And he was still doing his thing. Whether he's getting assists and making the right play or just kicking it out, getting it right back or just spinning off of them and taking a jump shot. KD was unstoppable. He's one of the greatest players to ever put on a uniform. James Harden is elite, but he's going to be the guy that gets triple teamed when they play the Lakers, not KD. They're going to expect 
Anthony Davis to do his best against him. And for LeBum to, you know, play help defense, I guess. We're going to get into that in the next episode when we talk about our predictions for the season, for the teams. We're going to go in-depth on the Knicks and stuff like that. Yeah, I started but, going too much into the Lakers and that's this, potential matchup, right? My bad. It's going to be – we're going to have some good conversations coming up. But this is a good pod. Um, the Nets are an intriguing team. They're going to be like that all year long because they're, they're you know, they're, they're the eyes of the NBA are on the Nets. They, they're they're going to be there all year. For Los's blood pressure and his um <laughs> mental state of mind so he don't lose more hair, we do hope that Kyrie comes back and the Nets are fully healthy. Because I'm not sure if Lewis could take another series of Joe Harris airballing three pointers from the corner. Honestly. Like I said, like I said, I expect Kyrie back 2022 after the new year. Yo, I just want to let you know that I've heard from a couple people that if you go to Iran, they'll hook you up and your head be growing back <laughs> looking real good. Pigmentation uh, on top of the head. I- I'm just saying. Uh, I think I'm going to go the, the the Salah route and, you know, just uh, take everything off. We'll see. We'll catch you next week with the 